This morning we start a summer sermon series in the Psalms um, entitled Songs of Summer, and uh, this morning we turn to Psalm 66. Seems like the appropriate beginning for a summer road trip. Psalm 66. Listen then for the voice of God. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. So come and see what God has done his awesome deeds for humankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. So come, let us rejoice in him. He rules, oh, he rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You, you brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Therefore, I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I'll sacrifice fat animals to you in an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. The word of the Lord. A few weeks ago, while in upstate New York, I got up early to go for a run or what now passes as running. I wanted to beat the heat of the day, breathe the mountain air, and work out the kinks of too much time in planes, trains, and automobiles. Running in the foothills of the Adirondacks, I heard a hawk screech overhead and the rustle of a snake underfoot. And, and I don't move quickly these days, so. <laughs> I heard a hawk screech overhead and the rustle of a snake underfoot. I limped and lumbered along as the morning sun slipped through birch and evergreen. The Mohawk River lackadaisically drifted by as the last vestiges of mountain brooks splashed over root and rock. Under a bluebird sky, the distant mountains looked like green broccoli tops and all seemed right in the world. 
I was reminded that there's a certain indifference to creation. We can be tightly wound with worry and conflict can twist us into pretzels while rivers, hills, and hawks shrug their shoulders and continue to do their nature thing. I woke that morning worried about hope, the CRC, and my own doubts and demons, while the cosmos just went about its business. I could feel my body relax as my attention turned to the created order. I didn't raise my hands in praise or have any unique insight or inspiration, but I was reminded again that our particular concerns are little, limited, and transient in the grandeur of creation. Dear friends, it's freeing to be reminded that the details of our lives are held in a cosmic framework. Our travails and troubles, while they can be substantial, don't move the needle for the glory of creation. John Calvin refers to creation as the theater of God's glory. He puts it this way. This is Calvin. And this is a really interesting translation, by the way. This is Calvin. But upon his individual works, God has engraved unmistakable marks of his glory, so clear and so prominent that even unlettered and stupid folks cannot plead the excuse of ignorance. In the creation of the universe, he brought forth those insignia whereby he shows his glory to us. Whenever and wherever we cast our gaze, wherever we cast our eyes, there is no spot in the universe wherein you cannot discern at least some sparks of his glory. Which is why the psalmist begins by calling all the earth to shout for joy to God. The first instruction of Psalm 66 is given to creation. The first eight verses set a grand stage where all earth bows down to God. Maybe that's a good place to start. May this psalm serve as encouragement to listen for creation singing and shouting God's glory in the still of the morning, in watering plants during the golden hour, in hiking in the woods or laying by a lake, in reading in the shade or feeling the sun on your face, in looking at a starry, starry night, in holding a toddler's hand or pushing a loved one's wheelchair outdoors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In these summer months, let us turn our attention to the theater of God's glory. My guess is you'll find moments of perspective, gratitude, and comfort in God's providence, power, and peace. 
my guess is you'll find yourself humming along with creation. And maybe that's a good place to end the sermon. Go thou and do likewise. Go spend the summer out outdoors and report back about God's handiwork. Clearly half the congregation took us up on that this morning. <laughs> Go enjoy God's theater. Go catch a spark of God's glory. Go walk among the willows. Taste a wild raspberry pulled from a vine. Feel a summer rain on your face. Chances are the racket will quiet, your breath will settle, and you'll find yourself joining in the chorus of creation. A deist, that's not where the sermon actually ends. A deist would like the opening verses of Psalm 66. It doesn't ask anything of us. Creation belts out God's glory like a show tune and we have the freedom to pay attention? Seems like a win-win. There's no instruction to go to church or remember God in prayer and spiritual practice. There's no identification of God beyond creation. We're off the hook. The first imperative is directed at creation. Thanks be to God. However, however, then the image shifts from the widest angle to something human-sized. The psalmist moves from calling all earth to calling all peoples. The shift is from earth bowing down to humanity bowing down. And in calling all peoples, the psalmist writes of being brought out of prison, brought into and then out of prison, going through fire and water, and coming to a place of abundance. Now, the reference here is to, he is to the Hebrew exodus from Egyptian captivity. But the bigger thematic shift is from creation to liberation. And what was first cosmic gives way to communal testimony. 11 years ago, about 11 years ago, uh, one of my best friends called as he entered a drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility. I took the call on that chair of those, those benches right outside the door. Remember it like it was yesterday. He called to say he was entering a drug and rehab, alcohol rehabilitation facility. He called before. He's called before. He's been in rehab before. But this time he said he was going to die if he didn't get clean and sober. He stood to lose his wife and his family and his career and his life. He felt like this was his last chance. And if memory serves, 
he did 45 days of inpatient rehab and then 90 AA meetings in 90 days. He's spent the last 11 years working the 12 steps of, the, of AA. He's been going to meetings, sponsoring other guys, going to funerals, and leading a meeting, an AA meeting in the state penitentiary. To use the psalmist language, he's been through fire and water, burned and bout drowned. Today, he's in a place of abundance. Today, he's a husband, father, grandfather, and friend. Today, he bears witness to a higher power, to a community, and to a program that kept him and held him and saved him. And today he offers testimony of his rescue. Thanks be to God. The first move of Psalm 66 goes from creation shouting God's glory to people praising God because of his saving activity. The detail the psalmist offers suggests an accounting, suggests a testimony, suggests telling the story of God's intervention. Look, I don't have a dramatic story. I have trauma stories. <laughs> I don't have a dramatic story. You may not either. But we're instructed as part of all people to bear witness not just to God's work in creation, but God's work in salvation. The reference in Psalm 66 points to the Exodus, but the movement or the, the pattern or the route is from creation to all people, and from God the Creator to God the Savior, and from praise to testimony. Now, I don't want to read too much into this psalm or stretch it beyond its intentions or see things that aren't there. But it seems to me like there's a sort of map here, a route for biblical spirituality. We start with creation, move through bondage, and come to liberation. We start with goodness, no guilt, and are delivered by grace. Too much? Reading too much into it? There's one more move. There's one more stop on Route 66, or Psalm 66. In verse 13, the, the focus narrows yet again. It goes from all creation to all people, and it ends with an individual. From cosmic to communal, it lands on the singular. The pronouns go from plural to personal. Psalm 66 ends with the psalmist entering the temple to offer expressions of religious devotion. From the instructions for all earth 
to shout for joy to God, we now hear the invitation, come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Dear friends, when Aaron and I, Aaron Pacheco and I, first talked about this sermon series, we thought about pairing psalms and testimonies, the songs and stories of summer. I had no idea that the first psalm we'd consider ended with an invitation to testimony. And I had no idea that this first psalm would be paired with Anna's profession of faith. But here we are, profoundly blessed to have been part of Anna's journey and to join her in celebrating belonging to God in Christ. Thanks be to God. So if the beginning of the psalm is the encouragement to join all the earth, or to join all nature in manifold witness, we end with the encouragement to testimony, to sharing with one another what God has done for us, in us, with us. If we can be faithful in going outside this summer, can we also be faithful in entering the temple to bear witness in worship? I should probably look straight at the camera. <laughs> if we can be faithful in going outside this summer, can we also be faithful in entering the temple to bear witness in worship? What has God done for you? Where is God present in your life and experience? What are the laments and longings of your heart? What story do you have to tell? We still have plenty of open Sundays this summer. Please let me know if you're willing to offer a short testimony of God's activity in your life. One last thing. The last line of Psalm 66 reads like this. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Other translations have it as not withheld his mercy from me. The word in question, translationally, is a form of hesed, that slippery word describing God's loyal, steadfast, loving kindness. Psalm 66 may start with creation, move to liberation, and land in personal testimony, but the last word is God's love. The last word is God's mercy. The last stop of a biblical spirituality is the never-ending love of God. Makes you want to sing, or shout, or tell somebody. Thanks be to God. Amen.